Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Law School of America Legal Immunity or Immunity from Prosecution is a legal status wherein an individual or entity cannot be held liable for a violation of the law, in order to facilitate societal aims that outweigh the value of imposing liability in such cases. Such legal immunity may be from criminal prosecution, or from civil liability, being subject of lawsuit, or both. The most notable forms of legal immunity are diplomatic immunity, judicial immunity, and witness immunity. One author has described legal immunity as the obverse of a legal power. A party has an immunity with respect to some action, object, or status, if some other relevant party, in this context, another state or international agency, or citizen or group of citizens, has no, power, right to alter the party's legal standing in point of rights or duties in the specified respect. There is a wide range of legal immunities that may be invoked in the name of the right to rule. In international law, immunities may be created when states assert powers of derogation, as is permitted, for example, from the European Convention on Human Rights in Times of War or Other Public Emergency. Equally familiar examples include the immunities against prosecution granted to representatives, MPs or counselors, and government officials in pursuit of their duties. Such legal immunities may be suspected as potential violations of the rule of law, or regarded as quite proper, as necessary protections for the officers of the state in the rightful pursuit of their duties. Criticism Legal immunities may be subject to criticism because they institute a separate standard of conduct for those who receive them. For example, as one author notes, In the United Kingdom, some exercises of the royal prerogative, which seems to give the government of the day opportunities for massive and unaccountable discretion, rightly come under suspicion, whereas the immunity from libel proceedings of members of parliament speaking in the House, or of persons giving evidence in a court of law, is generally regarded as an acceptable protection against powerful, and wealthy, interests who would otherwise constrain public debate or the administration of justice. Types. Immunity of government officials. Many forms of immunity are granted to government officials to enable them to carry out their functions without fear of being sued or charged with a crime for so doing. Sovereign immunity, the prevention of lawsuits or prosecution against rulers or governments without their given consent. Sovereign immunity in the United States bars suit against federal, state, and tribal governments, which cannot be sued without their consent. Governmental consent to be sued is expressed through legislation as a limited waiver of sovereign immunity. Absolute immunity, a type of sovereign immunity for government officials that confers total immunity when acting in the course of their duties. Section Judicial Immunity, the absolute immunity of a judge or magistrate in the course of their official duties. Qualified Immunity, in the United States, Sovereign immunity of individuals performing tasks as part of the government's actions. Parliamentary immunity, immunity granted to elected officials during their tenure and in the course of their duties. Speech or debate clause, a provision in the United States Constitution that provides immunity to members of Congress for statements made in either house. Grants of immunity are particularly important in intergovernmental relations, where traditions have arisen to prevent the diplomatic representatives of a country from being harassed by their host countries. Diplomatic immunity, 
agreement between sovereign governments to exclude diplomats from local laws, immunity from prosecution, international law, exclusion of governments or their officials from prosecution under international law, state immunity, principle of international law that the government of a state is not amenable before the courts of another state. Such immunities may be granted by law, statutory or constitutional, or by treaty. Immunity of individuals participating in the legal process. Amnesty law, a law that provides immunity for past crimes. Spousal privilege, also called spousal immunity, protects a spouse from testifying against the defendant. Witness immunity, immunity granted to a witness in exchange for testimony. Reporter's privilege, a limited First Amendment right many jurisdictions by statutory law or judicial decision have by which journalists may not be prosecuted for protecting their confidential sources from discovery. Charitable immunity, immunity from liability granted to charities in many countries from the 19th century to the mid-20th century. Such immunities may be granted by law or, for witness immunity, by prosecutors or other authorities on a case-by-case basis commonly as an agreement with the witnesses. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. In criminal law, diminished responsibility, or diminished capacity, is a potential defense by excuse by which defendants argue that although they broke the law, they should not be held fully criminally liable for doing so, as their mental functions were diminished or impaired. Diminished capacity is a partial defense to charges that require that the defendant act with a particular state of mind. For example, if the felony murder rule does not apply, first-degree murder requires that the state prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant acted with premeditation, deliberation, and the specific intent to kill, all three are necessary elements of the state's case. If evidence exists, sufficient to create a reasonable doubt as to whether the defendant because of mental illness or defect possessed the capacity to premeditate, deliberate or form the specific intent to kill then the state cannot convict the defendant of first-degree murder. This does not mean that the defendant is entitled to an acquittal. The defendant still might be convicted of second-degree murder which only requires that the defendant act with general malice. The defense's acceptance in American jurisdictions varies considerably. The majority of states have adopted it by statute or case decision, and a minority even recognize broader defenses such as irresistible impulse. Some U.S. states restrict the defense to the charge of murder only where a successful defense will result in a manslaughter conviction instead of murder. Until recently, the Republic of Ireland did not accept the partial defense. The Irish Supreme Court had rejected the existence of the defense in DPP v. O'Mahony. The case was recently abrogated, however, by enactment of the criminal law, Insanity, Act 2006, effective June 1, 2006. The Act, in pertinent part, specifically adopted the partial defense for the charge of murder where a successful defense will result in a manslaughter conviction instead of murder. The defense is to be contrasted with insanity which is a complete but affirmative defense. In most jurisdictions a defendant would be acquitted on the grounds of insanity if the defendant established to the satisfaction of the jury that he suffered from such a mental disease or defect that he was unable to appreciate the consequences of his actions or did not know what he was doing was wrong. As noted a successful insanity defense will result in acquittal although a number of jurisdictions have adopted the guilty but insane verdict. The defense of insanity and diminished capacity although clearly distinct are not inconsistent defenses and both may be at issue in the same case. The critical distinctions are that diminished capacity is a partial, negating defense, negates an element of the state's case, with the burden on the state to show that the defendant acted with the requisite state of mind while insanity is a complete but affirmative defense, the defendant bearing the burden of proving that he was legally insane. 
This is an aspect of a more general insanity defense. The defense was first recognized by Scottish common law to reduce the punishment of the partially insane. It developed from the practice of juries in the 19th century of returning verdicts of guilty with a recommendation as to mercy or mitigation of sentence to reflect any extenuating circumstances. In a series of decisions, given mainly by Lord Jazz, a doctrine grew that various types of mental weakness could have the effect of reducing what would otherwise be a conviction for murder, which attracted capital punishment, to one for culpable homicide, where the courts had greater discretion in sentencing. An example of a diminished capacity might be extremely low intelligence. In the English case of R. V. Ravon, a man who had a physical age of 22 years but a mental age of only 9 years felt provoked by homosexual advances and killed his perceived attacker. His mental deficiency was not in dispute and, since a child of 9 years would not have been criminally responsible, and his mental responsibility for his acts was substantially impaired, manslaughter was the only realistic verdict. The rationale of the defense is that, as a precondition to punishment, the criminal law requires conduct to be voluntary. If something interferes with the capacity of the individual to choose to break the law, this should be reflected by an excuse or exculpation. The law should balance the need to be fair to the individual wrongdoer, but equally offer some protection to society from a person who may not have complete control over their behavior. The effect of the defense varies between the jurisdictions. In some, it will result in full excuse and therefore produce a verdict of not guilty. In others, it offers only exculpation to a degree, resulting in the substitution of a lesser offense, for example, manslaughter instead of murder, or a mitigated sentence. United States Federal Law The U.S. Sentencing Guidelines provide, a downward departure may be warranted if, 1, the defendant committed the offense while suffering from a significantly reduced mental capacity, and, 2, the significantly reduced mental capacity contributed substantially to the commission of the offense. State law. California was the first state in the U.S. to adopt the diminished capacity defense, beginning with People v. Wells and People v. Gorshin. The doctrine would soon be abolished by ballot initiative in 1982 following the negative publicity surrounding the case of Dan White, who had killed George Muscone and Harvey Milk. While White's defense team did argue successfully for a ruling of diminished capacity, resulting in a verdict of voluntary manslaughter rather than murder, an urban legend that the defense had blamed White's actions on the ingestion of sugar and junk food, the so-called Twinkie defense, sprang up out of inaccurate media coverage. One participant in the debate over diminished capacity rulings waved a Twinkie in the air to make his point. Currently, the California Penal Code states, 2002, the defense of diminished capacity is hereby abolished, there shall be no defense of diminished capacity, diminished responsibility, or irresistible impulse, English law. Section 2 of the Homicide Act 1957 states, 1, where a person kills or is party to a killing of another, he shall not be convicted of murder if he was suffering from an abnormality of mental functioning which a. arose from a medical condition, b. substantially impaired D's ability to do one or more of the things mentioned in subsection 1a, and c. provides an explanation for D's acts and omissions in doing or being a party to the killing. 1a, those things are a. To understand the nature of D's conduct. b. To form a rational judgment. c. To exercise self-control. 1b. For the purposes of subsection, 1c, an abnormality of mental functioning provides an explanation of D's conduct if it causes, or is a significant contributory factor in causing, D to carry out that conduct. Scottish Law. 
Although the term is not used during the proceedings, the 1795 trial of Sir Archibald Gordon Kinlock for the murder of his brother Sir Francis Kinlock, 6th Baronet of Gilmerton under Robert McQueen, Lord Braxfield is one of the earliest clear examples of recognition of diminished responsibility. Whilst found guilty, and usually expecting a death sentence, not only was Kinlock sentenced to life imprisonment instead, but two days after the judgment, July 17, 1795, the accused was released into the care of a doctor, William Farquhar Harson, on the understanding that Kinlock be kept in a secure environment, the doctor's own house. During the course of the 20th century the courts began to limit the mental conditions falling within diminished responsibility. In H.M. Advocate v. Savage Lord Alness addressed the jury. It is very difficult to put it in a phrase, but it has been put in this way, that there must be aberration or weakness of mind, that there must be some form of mental unsoundness, that there must be a state of mind which is bordering on, though not amounting to, insanity, that there must be a mind so affected that responsibility is diminished from full responsibility to partial responsibility. In other words, the prisoner in question must be only partially accountable for his actions. And I think one can see running through the cases that there is implied, that there must be some form of mental disease. This statement became the authoritative version of the test for diminished responsibility and the various factors mentioned by Lord Alness were regarded as being cumulative in nature. The effect was that the test became difficult to satisfy, and the courts adopted the position that the scope of the plea was not to be further widened, for example, Carraher VHM advocate held that the plea was not available to a person suffering from psychopathic personality. But in Galbraith v. Hmm advocate it was held that the formula in Savage was not to be read in a narrow sense, and it was not necessary that all the criteria in that formula had to be present. Furthermore, although the plea had to be based on some form of mental abnormality, that condition need not be one bordering on insanity. Instead, the court ruled that diminished responsibility required the existence of an abnormality of mind which had the effect that the accused's ability to determine or control his actions was substantially impaired. However, the court excluded from the scope of the plea. 1. Any condition brought on by the consumption of drink or drugs, and 2. Psychopathic personality disorder. The Scottish Law Commission reported in 2004 proposing changes to the law on insanity and diminished responsibility. Australia. At present, diminished responsibility exists as a statutory partial defense in most Australian jurisdictions. The defense is only available in cases of murder and serves to reduce the offense to manslaughter. In Australia it has been the subject of sentencing concerns specifically in relation to the weight attributed to protection of the community when sentencing offenders found guilty of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. In NSW, the partial defense of diminished responsibility was replaced by the partial defense of substantial impairment in 1998. The burden is on the defendant to prove the defense, on the balance of probabilities. There are three conditions that the defendant must prove. The first is the defendant must be suffering from an abnormality of the mind at the time of the acts emissions causing death, see also the case of burn for the definition of abnormality of the mind. Second, the abnormality must be the result of an underlying condition. Third, the impairment must be so substantial as to warrant liability for murder being reduced to manslaughter. India
Supreme Court of India bench headed by Justice Kagoy in the review petition upheld the principle of diminished responsibility in the 2000 Dharmapuri bus burning and commuted to life imprisonment the death penalty given by the Salem District Court and upheld by the Madras High Court and by another Supreme Court bench to three AADMC party activists who had a set on fire fully occupied bus with 44 girls and two lecturers of the Tamil Nadu Agricultural University on an educational tour to protest Jayalalita's conviction in Pleasant Stay Hotel case in this three college girls were burned alive and 16 college girls suffered burn injuries were acting on mob frenzy and setting a legal precedent. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America